vacuuming earlier. Vacuuming washing dishes earlier today. That's like realize that one, you've got that aesthetic again, except instead of accessories, you know, it's just like a shelf of all my old games. Yeah. Like shit. And he's managed to like make a living out of effectively show and tell. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I know someone who they get lots of Player 2 Pixelcast, episode 86. I am Tim Henderson, I am your host, I am back in this chair for another, I guess, even number episode. I think it changes year on year, depending on when we break for Christmas. Whatever, that is not important. What is important is that I have two other people with me, so I am not yelling angrily into a void, although I would maybe do that if nobody showed up. Um, so on yeah, on that note, um, Nick, thanks for, you know, dropping by. Thanks for having me again. Of course, very welcome. I'm still fixated by that gentle throb of purple in the background. <laughs> and with us, doing doing his absolute best, the toughest man alive, um, humorously, I only, I've known him for years, and I've only just realized that his name is one letter away from Ben Lee. Ken, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, that, does, that makes zero sense it, whatsoever. And it occurred to me for some reason because my girlfriend was watching Castle. Like, the connections here get incredibly, incredibly oh, right, obscure. Okay. All right, okay, all right. That makes a bit more sense, I guess. How does that make any sense? I don't even understand as in, it. As in, as in, it comes from somewhere as opposed to just out of absolutely nowhere. But yes, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm doing my best to stay standing up. Yeah, it seems like Australia is falling under the weight of, like, all of the diseases now that, you know, stuff is just allowed to happen again. Yeah, well, it turns out that, you know, other other diseases just keep on going. Yeah, it's not like the flu or the various colds or whatever just stopped existing. <clears throat> I'd probably still yeah. have a cold and, cold and um, full on COVID. And now I'm coughing, which is a nice and <coughs> interesting thing to happen when alone in a room in a podcast. <clears throat> probably because it's dry because of this fan which is good because otherwise I would be I'm just saying Japan has now hit this disgusting point in the weather where it's cloudy and it's warm but it's not sweltering warm but it's just warm enough that I was studying book open earlier today and like I'm not visibly sweating but like every time I move my kind of went to like relocate my arm I was realizing it was just sticking to the paper of the book so like just like like nice perfect level of discomfort which is not what we're talking about we are um basically reacting to all the you know the not a3 the key 3 if you will everything that has happened since well our last show where all we knew about was the main sony set of play um but before that though we have or at least um one of us has been playing something new um Nick I'm going to drag this on a little bit longer just to relay a story about how when I was a what little four or five year old Tim and I got my first ever letter to take home from school I felt very important I got this piece of paper it's this correspondence for my parents and like imagine little little at that point actually very blonde Tim kind of going and putting it in his bag probably couldn't read yet because you know kindergarten I had learned everything from Sesame Street I get home my mother reads it and then after that I learned that I'm not allowed to watch that show that everybody else is talking about called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because my school principal decided it was um too violent, and I'm pretty sure my parents are the only ones in the school who actually heeded that warning. Um, how much of my childhood was destroyed in that moment? I would say a fair bit because thanks. I, I think that um, I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for a lot of good reasons, kind of did become one of those major cultural 
events and rites of passage. Um, I actually believe that it existed around the same time, maybe a little later than Transformers and things like that. But it it felt like it had more going for it, more of a story. It wasn't just people showing up and shooting lasers at each other until no one got hurt and then everyone going home like Transformers. There was a lot going on. So, yeah, I think if you did not... Uh, if you did not experience Teenage Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when you were a child, you, you, you did kind of miss out. Sorry to say. Sucks to be me. Um, yeah. And that's, but, but you were present in Australia for your childhood? Yes. So this would have been, yeah, the early school year of 1989. Yeah, yeah. So, because uh, I, I know that there was a big thing about maybe there was the shared hysteria that your principal and your parents received because in England they were renamed the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Yeah, I learned that when I moved to London for work. And I was like, what? What? And then apparently do you know if, were just they, I was going to say, do you, do you know if they edited the content of the show at all to... Like no, maybe they just cut I just out had all a things? confused discussion with, um, with some... Um, Work, league, work colleagues during one or two lunch breaks going, what the hell is this Hero Turtles that you're talking about? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they Did just you... changed the theme song, like, Where's Wally and Where's Waldo? Yeah. Where Surely. But did you experience any of the the video games? Um, From that time, I was living in London and obviously already much older... <laughs> As in old enough to have, you know, finished university and moved out by myself. Yeah, there was a side-scrolling 3D platform that I don't remember the name of. But I also, I am aware that I think Konami had, like, a super classic one in the late 80s. That I believe, we're finally getting to the game we're talking about today. Yeah. Is mostly what that calls back to. Yes. Yes, I was I was planting the seeds of the segue there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I should I get into Shredder's Revenge, what yes, I've been playing lately? let's talk about... Let's talk about oh, Revenge. Is it good? I am. Well, I love it. I, it's 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 good. I'm not going to call it perfect, but it definitely scratches a very specific itch. That before it, I was playing a lot of Streets of Rage for just when I had the time to kind of pick that up. Um, and that's the beauty of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. I played it just before this podcast. I only. One, one level took four minutes, another one took 14 minutes, and I was playing it with friends online. And it's that kind of perfect, you've got five minutes, so you've got hours to spare type of game. Hmm. Um, it, it, um, it definitely has been majorly influenced by the early Konami games, particularly the big arcade uh, one, because it follows similar kind of design um, I was watching it. Design mechanics of the older one. So there's there's a um, there's it a seems level to lift on... a few things straight out. I was watching a digital foundry video earlier, like that just fished out some like very clear callbacks. Yes, yeah, a lot of the attack animations are pretty much the same thing, but obviously with higher quality sprites and high quality art. Um, you've got the the level where you're skateboarding. You know the level that's always moving. You've got the elevator level, things like that. Um, I. I recall being really into the turtles when I was a kid, but a lot of it I didn't remember. So when I played the SNES and, and Mega Drive or Genesis beat em ups later on, I was like, oh, I don't really remember this character. I don't remember this character. Playing Shredder's Revenge, all the kind of 
annoying and entertaining side characters are there as well, like Irma, who works at Channel 6 with April and O'Neil and her boss and, and Vernon and the annoying characters show up. A lot of side characters are just there in the background or things like that. So there's a lot of fan service, but thankfully it's it's married with a lot of accessible but um, rewarding gameplay as well. Like it feels good to play it and, and it's that definitely a lot of fun. I was curious about like, because I mean, it's a brawler. It's a Streets yes. of Rage Golden Axe Final Fight style brawler. So inherently it's quite a simple game. So how would it feels to simply do the act of beating something up? It seems kind of integral to how much fun you're going to yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. And while it kind of, it, it, it favors accessibility over, I don't know, Streets of Rage 4 offers you the ability to collect new moves and build new combos and you can change character builds and end up with a completely different feeling character with the same appearance. Whereas Shredder's Revenge is just, you've got your four hit combo, you've got this move and you unlock different power moves as you level up. So if you are new to the game, you'll be able to play it. If you played the old ones, you'll be able to play it and you don't really feel like you're, you're missing out on anything. I will say they've, um, they've gone all out with a lot of things. When you, when you first fire it up and the theme song plays, yeah, I thought, this doesn't sound right. Something's a bit weird about this. Um, and it, it did grow on me, but it was just, it was different. It turns out that Mike Patton from Faith No More recorded. Oh, damn. <laughs> that's cool. Ninja Turtles theme, and that's the one that plays when you start the game. Um, so I heard they um, actually you... got the voice actors from the show, which is, that's, that's, yes. a, that's a sweet little bit of, I imagine they're probably not very expensive, but I imagine it was an admirable bit of effort to get that back. Yeah, well, that's that was one of the, the highlights of playing the DuckTales remaster from a couple of years ago from way forward was that, you know, even in his older age, um, the original voice of Scrooge McDuck was there. And then just instantly hearing the Turtles and Rocksteady and Bebop, all those voices being there is great. I don't know, and I'm going to have to find out, and I should have researched this. Shredder sounds different, and I can't remember the actor's name, but it's the uncle from Family Matters that uh i think it was family matters that did the voice back in the day it's um oh, yeah 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 i don't know if it's still him in this new game that being like shredder still sounds great and he has a very evil and menacing laugh when he shows up in the game so that's good um but there's just little things as well um mega ran if everyone knows mega ran he's a nope. video game rapper he does he does remixes of different video game music. Um, a lot of it's quite good. He's done a whole album of wrestling themes that he's remixed. And then I thought, oh yeah, that's a cool little thing, but he's quite known for it. He's shown up at wrestling events with wrestlers. Huh. Um, and he has a song there in the third level of Shredder's Revenge. Where he's, it's a very 90s fun kind of remix. I rap thing. That's heard a lyrical song to one of these stages. And man, yeah. it nails that cheesy, catchy cartoon action hero theme pretty damn well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's also, it feels like it's a celebration of the turtles and kind of everyone that grew up with it and things that are kind of danced around it as well. So, um, and if people are on Game Pass, then they should absolutely check it out. Even if uh, they're a bit younger than us and they're wondering what the hell is a, a beat em up, what the hell's a brawler game? And I mean, it's accessible and fun? shiny and bright colors. I think it is possible that it may that it may bridge down. I, I, I'll also, try it out with the six player local co op. I mean, I don't know how many people are equipped to do that, but that sounds fucking rad. Yeah, I imagine it gets really, really busy 
But uh, so far I've played three-player co-op and it can get a little busy during boss fights, but it still works really well. Um, I believe my my brother, who we used to game together as kids, obviously couch co-op, and then now as we're both adults, we kind of come together for some things, like we'll play Diablo or something similar every now and then, or we'll try out the latest shooter games or battle royals, but we largely don't play together anymore. But even he was like, you know what? I've got like three other people. You've got three people. Let's do this six player thing. It's just going to be finding the time to do it, but it surely it's going to be absolute chaos. I think it'll be fun chaos, but yeah, I probably want to have beers on hand anyway. So you're already laughing rather than being frustrated when shit doesn't exactly work out. No, exactly right. And thankfully there's no friendly fire, so no one's going to be hurting anyone. Can you turn that on though? Cause that would, I'm okay with friendly fire in these games, but it has to be a toggle. Yes, absolutely. It needs to be an option. Yeah, it does seem like um, brawlers are really having a bit of resurgence these last couple of years. Like, you've already mentioned Streets of Rage, and there are a couple of others that have also dropped recently that I've, like, forgotten the names of. There's one called Final Vendetta, which looks to be like Final Fight, looks to be like Streets of Rage. It's high-quality pixel art, and it looks to be pretty decent but unfortunately it's just come out i think a day before shredder's revenge so that's going to make it really for me to check it out especially if i have to pay for it yeah that's unfortunate that's you're you're really yeah that's not that's not good timing no and i do i do love a beat-em-up there's one that came out i don't recall the name of it it looks to be a 3d one in the style of um was it Dynamite Dynamite Decker? Dynamite Decker. Uh, also Die Hard Arcade from the Sega Saturn and the arcades. It's got, yeah, it's got that janky 3D, even the same animations where you're picking up something massive and swinging it around as you knock people over and that. There's just, there's a lot of tribute games coming out and then, yeah, a lot of um, I guess games getting rebits or whatever. Hitting the right nostalgia here or whatever. Okay, so as a person who has still not played either, if I had to actually plunk their money as opposed to getting Game Pass... Um, because I would want to play this on a TV and mm-hmm. I don't have an Xbox. If I have to choose between this and Streets of Rage 4, funny enough, I wasn't allowed to play Streets of Rage as a kid either, so this is very specific. Which one, like, if you had to have one or the other? Um, it, it, obviously, whatever you enjoyed more or were more curious about, but I'd say, honestly, Streets of Rage 4 gets my pick because you unlock a lot more to it um, it's got a phenomenal soundtrack. It's challenging. Um, yeah, and you unlock... The more you level up, you unlock more moves, and you can end up with so many different combos, and then you're like, oh, do I want to juggle people in the air more? Do I just want to do more damage? Um, I will go back to Streets of Rage 4 um, in the future. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'll definitely play with friends and enjoy it for now, but... It might be a type, of, a type of game that people just enjoy just while it's on Game Pass and they go, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm okay. I don't need to buy it. Whereas like, Streets of Rage 4, I played it the whole time it was in Game Pass and needed to buy it. Turtles may be more the game you're able to sucker friends into playing with you, but if you're mostly looking to sit down for the night, then maybe Streets of Rage, I guess. Yeah, that's actually a perfect way of putting it. Right, and on that, keep me on this trend, trend of things that young Tim was never allowed to do, um... I've been playing Metro Exodus, which I'm just going to assume that hopefully my parents would never have let me touch when I was, you know, seven years old or whatever. 
Um, this was purchased um, somewhat on a whim, especially after like just kind of scrolling through. My girlfriend was going out for a girls' night out with some friends. Like, hey, I'm gonna have a chance to um stay home, play some games. And it turned out the girls' night out was actually they were like renting, also or borrowing like a fancy apartment or hotel room or something. And she was taking my Switch with her. So I was going to get back into Fire Emblem, but that went out the window. Turned out they ended up playing Worms until, like, the sun came up, almost. So they did better than me. I bought a copy of Metro Exodus and was like, I'm going to play games like I'm 15 again, and then I went to bed before 1 o'clock. But I, I, like, before I get kind of all jumbled, because it's going to happen, I need to put this out there. I like this game a lot. Um, this is this is extremely, extremely what I want from a first-person shooter to the point where it is one of those games that you have to call it a first-person shooter because you you know, walk around and you're holding the gun the whole time in the first person, like spot for spot. Um, in um direction, direction is the wrong word. Um, perspective. Yeah, perspective. Thank you. Like it hits, it hits all the things that makes it technically a first-person shooter, but. As much as possible, you kind of don't want to shoot stuff. Like, the pacing on this is very, very different from um, a Call of Duty and definitely, like, a Doom. Like, it is mm. more about... But it, it's more about exploring the world, and they have opened this up over what the previous two games were. But it is also very important to note that it is definitely not an open-world game. So you kind of, like, alternate between sections that are fairly corridory, but even then, they're corridory in a way that... Doom or a System Shock is corridory rather than a more modern game is corridory. So there's always, it's never about what is over that mountain way over there. It's always, but there's an sense of exploration in regards to, I wonder what's around that corner. And it is worth going what's around that corner because, um, these, the first two, um, games, was it Last Light and Exodus? Wait, no, this is Exodus, Last Light and 2033 or whatever. Yep. Ammo was literally currency. Um, and the spirit of that idea was super good, but it was also, it just kind of made things maybe a little bit too tense uh, for me. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Ken, I believe Ken got into this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I spent quite a lot of time with Exodus. I never played 2033 and Last Light. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much to like about this game, but I'm just going to maybe pick out one or two. Mm. One, um... There is, I feel what this game does very well is that it still has a mystery about it. Like, and, and what I mean is a very distinct bit of the, of the game I remember is we are on a train and hmm. we hadn't left Moscow yet, or maybe it was maybe the second town out of Moscow. And it was at night and we had to, I think, get some type of barrier down so that we could move the train some more. Yeah, this is pretty early on. Yeah. And there was a literal ball of lightning just drifting about. And I'm like, is that a thing? Is that an enemy? No, it's not an enemy because it's not reacting to me, but it it sure hurts when I get near it. What is that? Like... I, and I never... And, and the game doesn't actually tell you what it is. One of the characters kind of explained to me that at least I should not go close to them after I had learned the hard way that you should not go yeah. close to them. But the game doesn't bother explaining to you what it is. It just exists in this world. It's a thing that exists. Um, the game doesn't explain it to you. Um, and you just sort of 
after this point you make your way and you never see it again. It's just yeah. In a sense, it's this like, game always has levels, actually. Yes, but it's almost like it's almost like that scene in uh, Mad Max Fury Road when they're driving the truck late at night and you see those people on stilts, um, just sort of walking through the the the, the marshes, the the muddy marsh, and it's just like like three seconds of a thing. So there's like, probably a story there, but there's probably a story here, and the game's like, look. It's a thing that exists. Don't go near it because it's gonna give you. It's gonna hurt you. And we're just gonna move on. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I can live with this. I can, I appreciate that there is a mystery to this world. There the is world, a world feels there very a, full, actually. Yeah, it feels like it exists, and it exists not because of me, the protagonist. It exists on its own, outside of my, and our paths have just crossed. And our paths never cross again. And it's just, okay. And I think it's, it does a better a... job of that than most actual open world games. Yeah. So that's one. That 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 moment always always sort of like sticks in my head. Two, the second thing I really like about Exodus is all the quiet moments that you spend on the train. Yeah, I love this structure. Talk. Like, ostensibly, it's just... I don't know. It's it's it, effectively it's like the elevator scene in like Mass Effect, because you're just going from one thing to another. But it's so much more. It's got such a much more human touch to it. You're, yeah, you're walking stuff. up and down the train. You're chatting to people in a naturalistic way. I mean, the dialogue's and, a little bit hammy, but I'm gonna kind of forgive them for not being native English speakers. Hammy, but not not melodramatic. Is... No, sometimes it's a little bit off, but it's definitely not overwritten to the extreme. Yeah, so it feels like overall, like these are real people talking. Yes, it might be a bit hammy, but yes, maybe part of it's a translation issue. But overall, it do, they do feel like real people just hanging having out, a chat, or just and and hanging out, have yeah, and be, being a little bit silly. And here's a moment of you know quiet and levity in between dire, dire moments where everybody's trying to kill you. I'm like, okay, I really appreciate these down moments. I Something really appreciate that. from one of those earlier ones that actually kind of comes back to where I was trying to get at with um, the ammo and the pacing. So the ammo in this game is it's no longer actually currency. Um, but boy, does this game reward scavenging. Like this, like I... It's not how I would want to play if I was given a choice anyway. Um, I bounced off Call of Duty 4 way, way back when. Because I tried to, like, be very, like, careful and, like, all right, I'm going to sweep this house and make sure, like, there's nobody's left and see if there's anything. And what that game, what I did not realize that game was doing was it was just monster closeting more and more guys in all the time to try and get moving forward. Which is not what I want at all. This absolutely rewards that kind of play. Like, checking every corner, like, you take somebody down, um, and... I'm playing on average difficulty. Maybe it improves. The, the the stealth is just dumb enough. While being is like like enemies don't quite have that much peripheral vision. Their hearing isn't great. So, but also like it kind of rewards potentially um being stealthy. But it's it's absolutely worth scavenging because like that ammo and everything you find and the crafting system is brilliant in that it's simple enough that it makes sense. There are effectively yep. two different types of resource you can get. And each thing you make requires different amounts of those two resources, which after like playing Horizon, which is a game I liked a lot, but my god, there were like 20 different things you were collecting in that and none of it made any sense. 
this is like way better, but um, early on, like, there were two potential side missions I had um, when you get out the world. And again, it's not open world. It is closer to something like the modern Tomb Raiders, the open areas there, or even Uncharted 4, like the, I think what they call them, wide linear spaces. Yeah. And one was find my find my stuff toy, which is uh, it was a bit bit forced in the empathy like the cute cute. The other was like, hey, there's like an old guitar over there if you could get it. And the thing that's like really cool is I did get that guitar. I came back and during those one of those later, um, maybe the immediate later train sequence because you kind of the game when I say the game kind of has levels is it has these wide linear spots with maybe a a story narrative beat, but they're basically train stations. You kind of put together an old train and you're like traveling around trying to find somewhere to settle and start a new life. Um, but, like, there's a scene in there that I'm guessing if I did not find the guitar would not happen where you I can actually sit down and, like, just kind of jam out with one of the other characters in the train. Yep. And, yeah, the thing I think I like this above the vast majority of first-person shooters is, like, it just feels like you are allowed to exist in this world. It's not yep. just a series of boxes for you to shoot things in. This is a place for you to exist in. It's not a happy place! It's atmospheric as shit, though, and it, it's just super super cool that you that, that there is a game that, with this kind of pacing yeah and like and just it, 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 going, I okay? think you and I we yeah you and I we've talked about this often like about other games like the world in so many other games exists only for the protagonist like mm. um this if you you the player did not exist actually the the rest of the world didn't exist either. It's just waiting like, for you to come across and shoot it. Yeah, and it's it. It almost has that feeling of where was I? Can't remember what the analogy was, but like the world sort of deconstructs when your camera is not pointing at it, and it that's not what that feels here. In Exodus, it feels like this world exists independent of you, the player. You just happen to be on your journey through it but the world exists and there could be any number of views going on their individual journeys I, I would assume yeah your character so that's, yeah. actually they do a little bit too much to praise your character it seems like you're always a hero but you do feel it feels like anybody your character simultaneously is praised way too much but also could literally be anybody um, I love that yeah. one of the non-characters is literally called Idiot <laughs> it's just like his name <laughs> yeah so yeah, I I really enjoyed Exodus at the time that I spent with it. Um, I remember saves coming a couple of times though when I didn't get the perfect um, uh, sort of stealth run that I wanted. Um, I actually recently did that earlier today, and I when I because I mean the um, AI again can be a little broken. I li- accidentally alerted somebody a little bit, and then I went and the game has a pretty effective day night cycle. Yeah. Um, worth pointing out, the, the lighting is really good, especially I'm playing on PS5. I don't think they have turned all of the ray tracings on. Like, there's definitely some screen space stuff going there, but it's still very impressive. Um, the nighttime, the nighttime in this game is amazing. It, in the right conditions, especially in the smaller areas, it looks really good. Um, but I basically I accidentally loaded them a little bit, and then I was like, shit, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna back off. I'm going to find, like, a hideout area and, like, sleep it out, because, like, why am I attacking this? Like, it, they have a very obvious, like, it is actually better to try and infiltrate at night. You know, I'm going to go mm. sleep it off. 
and I found a back alley after I slept it off. And everybody was still on alert exactly as they were, like, 12 hours real time away. And still, like, kind of waiting at my old entrance point. But it also just meant the second that I made any noise or anything, like, it just all went to hell. And it's like, I just feel like I've broken the game a little bit here, so I did do that there. Um, it facilitates saves coming really well, though. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a praise point or not. But, you know, when your mechanics can be a little bit rickety or whatever, when you've got that many things going on, I guess it makes sense. Especially, again, on the newer consoles, because you've got those super fast hard drives. But it is worth pointing. This is on basically everything except for Switch, I think. Yeah. Um, so the PS5 version, it, it doesn't quite feel like a new-gen game, it, but it does. It runs super smooth, I think, 60 frames a second. It feels very much like, um, hey, this is a late-gen game running on a much better PC than what the consoles are, and I guess that's actually good enough. I, It was... Also, it's Ukraine developed, so, you know, your money's going somewhere that probably needs it right now. Um, But I think it's on sale, like, fairly frequently, and for not that much. It's really good. I'm just going to throw it out there, like... It's real good. It's real good. Ken also agrees. Hmm. That's... That's good to know because the Metro series is always something I've been very curious about. I had a bad experience with one of them. I believe somehow I got one of the other Metro games for free with Probably another Epic, game. I'm guessing, or I, I can't recall. It was on Xbox though, and oh, right. I don't know. I was talking to someone. I want to guess they were my brother taking me out on my first patrol with him, and then he ends up sacrificing himself. Maybe it's something like that. Someone takes you out on your first mission. But I kept getting... I couldn't open a gate to get out of a, a sewer tunnel or a subway tunnel or something like that. And no matter how many times I uninstalled or reinstalled, it kept happening. And so I kind of... I look at the new Metro games and I'm like, do I want to give Risk this one a go? Eastern European jank. <laughs> I know that there might be a game-breaking bug again, but I'm just like, oh, do I want to? And I, it, I consistently, consistently see it being talked about since its release. And a lot of games we just kind of drop them and move on or mm. a similar title comes out and we move to those but I consistently consistently see people talking about Metro Exodus yeah um, yep. the first two I quite liked but like take it or leave it like a, a certain amount of stress and maybe again a certain amount of jankiness and like not quite feeling right they really they really nailed it with Exodus I think like I feel like I could recommend this to most people um, so long as they're aware of exactly what it is, obviously different times of year, different moods, but this is something I'd say confidently, like nine in 10 people, you should give this a go. Does, does the game have anything in common at all with, is there any of the stalker series? Is there aesthetically? Yes. DNA uh-huh. in there? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I guess a little bit in that, um, in Jeez. that, the, the aesthetics, the weapons, they all look like the the scavenging that you've got to do. Um, there is ostensibly something to do with radiation, although I don't think that actually impacts anything, really. Um, some mutated-ish kind of looking creatures walking around, I guess, a bit, but... Yeah. Uh, but... And I guess a, a little bit in that it, it it has that sort of limited open world, so it's it's not really. It like, does like, move it, forward like a, in a way I think Stalker maybe would not. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I will wish list and wait. Yeah, I think. But in in all in all, you know, all things considered, it's really quite a uh, 
what's really quite an excellent game, I think. No, it really is. I very, very easily think people should give this one a go. Um, and with that, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about things that we hope will turn out to be excellent games. I have never, ever been to E3, which I guess is not that much of a surprise, but you know, there was that magazine heyday, I have been flowing the different parts of the world before to cover stuff, but like, E3 was kind of like this, I, for people who covered it regularly, nightmare, <laughs> it seemed like within the like circle of freelancers, especially within Australia, there's kind of like a holy grail of like actually covering games within the specialist press at least, um, which makes you like wonder like how good does Jeff Keighley have to feel now that like not only has he been to E3 he basically has become E3 to the point where like the game release announcement whatever um section we'll call of this year the summer of games people have been calling it Key 3 because basically Jeff Keighley's holding the Game Awards minus the awards, which, let's be honest, is probably 90% of why people are watching the um, Game Awards in the first place. Um, and so, since we recorded our last episode where we just had some stuff from Sony, um, yeah, we now have a lot of announcements, like, more than I was expecting, actually, considering the state of the year. I thought next year was going to be one that was going to be really huge um, to draw back on. Um, the main, I will go around and ask everybody what stood out to them for better or worse, but the, um, obvious one for me, and I think everybody has noticed it, which is, we are heading into a generation of horror-themed space shooters. I cannot remember the names of all of them, and this is the thing that sucks, is individually, I think each one of these games, and this also includes a Dead Space remake, and, um, I have forgotten the name of the game by the guy who invented Dead Space. Um, uh, Callisto, Callisto Protocol. Protocol. Yep. They all, individually, at least from what I've seen so far, look pretty good, and there's a very good chance they are all going to be very good. But, man, I'm going to feel so burned out on this very specific thing. And the thing that like, really sucked was, like, I mostly ignored like the PC stuff that was coming out, except, oh, System Shock, look, Shock looks really good. I love System Shock. System Shock is kind of one of those as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. So we've got we've got a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff, um, um, going on. Um, I guess before we go, like, get into the um, Microsoft Microsoft Bethesda stuff, which maybe some other people have stuff to say about. Um, some things that stuck out stood out for me from the um, Jeff Keighley show, aside from the awkwardness of it, looked like it was just Jeff Keighley standing in a blue screen void. 
for two hours was um good job goat simulator 3 cute name i love that you skipped to ubu i thought honestly that you were saint throw for like a hot second at the beginning of that trailer just because oh like a bunch of dumb shit's happening that saint throw but no all right i can see that being goat, goat simulator um flashback 2 almost fits into that horror space shooter thing me again but at least that one i did not see coming might actually make me buy, play that i bought that game twice I lusted after the original when I saw it showing on Agro's cartoon collection or something, probably when I was, um, whatever, still in primary school. Then I actually bought a Mega Drive copy years later that I never played. <laughs> and I bought it again on Switch for like a dollar, and maybe I should get around to that. Um, but yeah, it's getting a signal maybe more. <laughs> Sorry? But same, actually. That's almost the exact same narrative I have. And I went back and I played Another World... Um, there was an Xbox port and I went back and I played Another World because I loved Flashback and I wanted to see, you know, the the precursor to it or whatever. And I remember Fade to Black on the PlayStation 1, if you remember the 3D yep. one. I do. Is that being retconned? Do, but I, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about Flashback too and I'm excited. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic, actually, cautiously. I should say. I, I mean, Metroidvania-ish, I guess. At least that kind of slower pace, more thoughtful pl- platformer. I think there is definitely space for it um i'd say metal helsinger definitely definitely looks like my jam on the other end of other end of the um shooter spectrum if i want something fast paced <laughs> this looks exactly like what i want although it says a lot a, a lot for our um, metro exodus that i've had the demo for that thing installed on my playstation 5 for over a week now and i still haven't booted it up <laughs> but it sat like it looks it looks fucking rad and from the trailer it I guess for anybody who did not watch this show, it is basically we have gone all in on making a metal music rhythm sh- first-person shooter, and if you imagine that could be something good, then it looks like they have made something good. Can I can I say one thing at this point? Yep. As I've played the demo, and I'm uh, a big David Goldfarb is the, the I think he's a creative director. I'm a big fan of his work. I liked Payday Two. He wrote Bad Company Two. Um, That's a deep cut. He, right. He approaches games with a kind of... He's very authentic. And as a massive metalhead, and I'm talking... I, I like my death metal, my black metal, all the classics, all the new stuff. If this is a video metal, podcast, like, aside from the background, it's obvious from looking at Nick that he is a metalhead. Yeah, yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm the most approachable, not approachable-looking person, I find. Um, but yeah, Metal Hell Singer is just so authentic it's all new metal songs as much as i'd love to be playing you know number of the beast or something maybe as dlc it's all new metal songs from some fantastic singers and i can't fault it yet and the leaderboard's alive so people are already Damn. fighting for the top spot of just the demo it looks really good anyway i'm gonna um yeah end this off with a well two observations we kind of got like a little bit extra sony one was um the most unex. I don't say this, like, leaked, but it did not need to be leaked because we all knew what was happening anyway, which is arguably, and has been said numerous times, the least needed remaster of all time in We're Getting the Last of Us remade, and I'm pretty sure this only exists because they can tie it into the TV show that's being made, which is going to help with the sales, and just to give Naughty Dog something, like, kind of safe and easy to cut their teeth on the PlayStation 5 hardware before they go but I mean it's The Last of Us 1 that looks like The Last of Us 2 um 
Which, you know, right, sure, I think it's a bit rich that they're charging full price for that when they're not even including The Last of Us 2. Like, at least they could kind of do the story so far. But also, yeah, sure, I think a lot of people don't need that, but it'll probably still sell, like, 3 million copies, so... Good for them. And then the quiet observation was that Sony actually kind of upgraded PlayStation Plus just very under the radar while all of these announcements were going on. Like, they did not make any fanfare. It just kind of activated everywhere except for Australia and um, probably parts of Europe. Um, Were we talking about the whole, like, PS Plus pricing not too long ago? A couple... A few episodes We may have been trying to figure it out. Like, there is... Plus and plus something something and premium and, and extra and yeah and then there was something different in terms of the pricing structure like specific to Australia inter- the internet I think is not fast enough for the streaming <laughs> stuff basically <laughs> or at least not reliably or widespread enough I think the general consensus is mo- for most people just get the middle one yeah well of course yes um, see, I've poked around on the US store get the way what you can play on there is organized seems like a bit of a mess I think they would have had a bit more time to like make it easy to just like bring up an alphabetical list of games or something that doesn't seem to exist yet um that's perhaps not too important in the scheme of all the stuff that's happening on though um Ken how are you feeling about that Microsoft slash Bethesda conference conference video whatever the the one thing I well one production value was very good I think but um walking away from that from that Microsoft Bethesda one is um, everybody needs to get on Game Pass. Like, everything is on Game Pass. And that was literally the message, play it now on Game Pass. Play We're coming day Pass, one and day, day Pass. Day one, the Game Pass, everything Game Pass, free on Game Pass. Um, Like, Persona 3 to 5 is on Game Pass. Um, almost all of Riot's games are on Game Pass. League of Legends unlocked, Valorant, all all heroes unlocked. Um, their various mobile games, you know, Wild um, League of Legends, Wild Rift is there. The card game and the auto chess game that they've got on there. Ah, uh, Starfield's going to be on Game Pass day one. Forza, <laughs> it's just yeah. ridiculous. Um. How and good does Forza look? Like it's, that, for just a driving game, my girlfriend was like, "I just want to play in the photo mode. Can we get out of the car and just walk around in this game?" And I was like, "Sadly, not. You can probably take pictures though." Yeah, it's it's it does look pretty amazing, but you know, it, as amazing as it looks, it's not really my sort of thing. Like racing games, uh, it's not my it's not my jam. I think no, um, like. Jumping back to the previous when we previous summer games fest, you know where we talked about, I think Street Fighter Six. I'm yep. pretty excited about. Uh but um, Redfall looks boring as shit. <laughs> like Redfall does not look good, guys. I. No, it looks mm. if you uh, pl- if if you're somehow if you somehow have exhausted other similarish games and you just want to trade out your zombies for vampires, you can do that. Yeah, like I'm 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 looking at this like Redfall. I'm like, okay, you've got vampires and it's a four v four versus enemy four v e left for dead ish shooter. It seemed like there is 
some campaign elements to it maybe a single element single player element to it but like literally and and I don't want to like just let my bias come through but Warhammer 40k's Dark Tide trailer also dropped at about like around the same time and Dark Tide looks mwah, chef's kiss it looks so good I don't even know if the red call necessarily red fall looks shit it just looks like one of just the most un like extremely aggressively unnecessary yeah and very very uninspired I think it just looks and then there's yeah. that the uh, the cherry on the Sunday there where they said all the progress is safe to whoever's hosting the online games. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that is just that. that is I remember I remember that being the case on like I feel like that's happened in it, previous games, definitely, and it was an it, issue. It, no, it has, but I'm I'm thinking of like Mercenaries two on the Xbox three sixty. Like Just deep three sixty cuts today. That's <laughs> from <laughs> excuse me sorry almost coughed up a lung there yeah, just like any progress made in the campaign is only on the host's computer uh, host's game and nobody else gets it's that so progress so discouraging oh any 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 desire I would have to play through the game is kind of killed yeah in that moment but like in all honesty, the entire the, I, I was scrolling through, and and not surprisingly, they put Starfield at the very end because all I did was just fast scroll through. It's like where is Starfield? Where is Starfield? Just give it to me. Um, just ignore all the stuff in the middle. Just like you know what, like like pass me by with Sea of Thieves. I'm I'm that game is fun and and everything, but really not my jam. Uh, Forza looks great. Not my jam. Um, Good look at the new pl- pl- Plague Tale. Um, I like that Plague last Tale one a lot. Looks, yeah, looks new good. one looks like they've had to retcon some of the story to make it all happen all over again. But it looks uh, good. I'm still, I'm still kind of peeved that they can they can introduce, and I'm, I continue to be peeved that they can introduce the the Pelican from Halo into Microsoft Flight Simulator, but none of the planes from Crimson Skies is, is in there. Like, come on. Halo is probably a bit more iconic, but I do very much understand where you're coming from. Like, come on, just put, just put, just just put the game, the planes from. They're actual planes. From, yes. From, yeah, yeah, the actual, they're actual planes that that would fit because they're all prop planes, they're all propeller planes. Come on. I don't know. Come on. You, throw um, briefly that it was fun seeing a lot of the Sony hardcore lose their absolute shit over the Kojima announcement. Yes, we don't even know yes. what the game is. But... I, I I like how Kojima said effectively, like this is the game I've always been, I've always wanted to make. But I'm like, wasn't Didn't that he what say he said that about, about yeah. Death Stranding? It's an easy line to always bring out. What would be hilarious is if he effectively made Metal Gear Solid in all but name, and Sony would just be looking at it like, "Oh, just son of a bitch." Yeah, that would be. That'd be good. That would be good. I would love that. Um, now I want to. Pl- I want to play yeah, remakes. Stop. I actually like um, Death Stranding a lot. I, what was his his um, was it a Mega CD game? Many it was ago? Snatcher. Snatcher. Yeah, maybe it'd be great if he returned to that universe. Well, my one from that at the moment is for this upcoming Mega Drive Mini Two to include that finally with English. Oh, 
It's a big ask. <sighs> yeah. Oh, and Diablo 4? Diablo 4 is a thing? Eh, I just can't care and, about Diablo. Yeah, I, I think I'm past my Diablo um, fan, <laughs> fandom. Uh, Sona all coming through the um, Game Pass is pretty exciting, but yes, ultimately, Starfield is the thing yeah. I was most That's probably going to have to, like, and, stop and, like... They actually gave it, like, a pretty... They, you know, like did more than a tease they gave a decent proper look at it and it was actual gameplay so like good on them I guess mm. I've seen that video a few times now yeah. <laughs> because yeah I, I'm a sucker for that I'm a sucker for Bethesda open world RPGs I'm I'm absolutely not but at the same time weirdly while I think it was not an appropriate comparison just because I think it was meant derogatory or perhaps I shouldn't it did kind of make me want to like reinstall No Man's Sky and like see if I get into it this time I'm like yeah I like the idea um, of going to places and exploring again yeah I think I think it's not an unfair comparison I think multiple people have made that comparison yeah it's been around a lot I think like, it was I think used a bit derogatory perhaps but like there's clearly going to be more like crafted meat on I think the Starfield bone so to speak hmm perhaps so we'll see but uh very excited about Starfield I genuinely am, am thinking how am I going to play this I just want to like, know if what? I can make the bebop they said I can customize my spaceship as much as I like yeah um well I'm just thinking like what type what type of rig do I need do I need a whole brand new PC or we'll just maybe this is going to make you buy an Xbox Series X. Ah, uh, yeah, that's and, what I was saying. Uh, might be the cheapest way yeah. to play this one. I think my computer is yeah. definitely not playing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I think the thing for me about Starfield, I I wasn't overly excited by what I saw at the presentation. It looked good, and it's definitely okay. And I'm going to play it. I just don't know if I'm going to fall in love with it. Mm. But the the developer videos that they released before the presentation some months ago, there's a lot of reflection of what a Bethesda game means to the Bethesda team members and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yep. So I feel like the strengths that Bethesda have as a studio, your exploration is going to be really, you know, there'll be more of that than ever. There'll be more of the kind of action that you like than ever. They're bringing back things from previous games, like the, the dialogue dialogue options. And, um, there'll be, I believe they said, um, the protagonist won't have a voice because people yeah, like to kind of feel more in the game without that. So it looks as though it's made Bethesda kind of reflect a lot on what makes their game successful. And I think that the game at launch will be great, but they're setting this up to be the next people are still playing Skyrim mm. and they're going yeah. to still buying Skyrim. Be that. They're setting this Absolutely. up to be the game that people buy again for the fifth time on the switch three. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, Bethesda are going to give people the tools and we're going to see that continuation of the game for the foreseeable future after its launch. And it's and it's going to be better for that than Skyrim has been. It'll be interesting to see if they let people really dig... Because they're saying like a thousand planets and they've been refreshingly open about like, yeah, but only a few handful of these are going to be Goldilocks planets. So most of them will just... Yeah, they're going to be uninteresting and, you know, literally like the moon. But, you know, you can dig resources and whatever out there. Um, it be interesting to see if like those... At some point, like, with so many of them there, if, like, they start almost, like, indulging modders to a certain degree and, like, letting people, 
I don't feel like like it's empty space that you could do something with with some sort of de- like Death Stranding to evoke like some sort of level of crossplay where like maybe these planets start developing with other people. I don't know, it just yeah, seems, like, so huge and so empty, and appropriately so. Like, a lot of space is probably very boring. Yeah. But that is that is what you see, the, the main argument about this game. The only thing I can see people really critiquing about Starfield is they say it, it looks like the shooting and everything's borrowing too much from Fallout, which might feel, it might feel dated to some, but the other thing I'm seeing people say is that the game, how, how can it not be so empty, and how can it... No, 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 no. I... I don't know how they're going to counter that, but clearly they'll be aware of it. Like clearly they're like, okay, we need to do something. I think they've been quite often saying like only a handful of the planets will be meaningful, which I'm actually okay with. It's, it was like the, uh, like one of the things I loved about go back to Shenmue is you can talk to every character walking around that game. You shouldn't, you can also go into almost every building. You shouldn't, but just knowing (laughs) that you can kind of like helps that game feel more. Yeah. Full. Mm. And and I wonder, like you were just saying, Nick, that the Bethesda team spent a lot of time sort of reflecting on their games and what makes them popular. And that sort of prompted me to think, like, as you're talking about some of the responses to the trailer so far, excuse me, the thing I like about Bethesda RPGs is the solitude, is the quiet, is mm-hmm. the empty spaces in between towns and that's actually the bit I'm most excited for no, <laughs> you know, I agree thing, um, is that sort of quiet moving from place to place at my own pace and not seeing things and not encountering people and not encountering like random random monsters like I like and and and, and that's why I've said more than once, like, New Vegas is the fallout that I don't like the most. Um, it's just constantly talking to people and constantly doing quests and errands. And it's just too busy. Ing- it's just like, I don't, I don't want to talk to people. Like, Fallout 3 was my perfect one because I'd just be like, I'm just going to walk on this road. Like, I'm just going to walk on this road and see where it takes me. Um... And if I don't encounter another person for the next two hours, that's fine. I'm just like literally just walking the road, um, yeah. at walking speed and not and not running speed. <laughs> I'm just walking. Um, and I wonder, I wonder if, like, when Bethesda, when the team, when when the devs were reflecting on what makes their game special, whether that might have been an element as part of the sort of design of this game so this looks like like based on everything looks like it was made for me this this whole was made for me which is pretty special to get a game of that bigger budget made specifically to your taste like that doesn't happen very yeah. often this should, this should be like yep. lowest common denominator as fuck yep. but yep no this made this 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 everything everything here looks like it was made especially for me Wow, That's why I'm, I'm super happy for Ken. I want to say the game most looks like it's made for me. Or at least I'm going to move on and guess say, let's go to Devolver, because one, easily the best presentation. Like, actually entertaining to watch. Mm. Almost almost went too far in, like, making it entertaining, you could say. The biggest criticism is they really, really did not want you to be bored. Um, 
but like great just mockery of like the way all video games are kind of blurring together into like this meaningless ball of nothingness um Suda 51 was like just present enough just confused enough by everything um I don't remember most of the games they all looked kind of like yeah that looks like a fun thing um in a way like Devolver doesn't really put out bad games they don't a lot of them are kind of throw away but they're always like very solid while last but man the Plucky Squire looks extremely my jam yes um it's like they somebody was playing that 3DS Zelda game where you kind of like morph onto the walls and off again again and was like we can do more with this we yes. can do so much more with this and that game just looks charming as all hell um it's hard to say exactly how um, I guess for anybody who didn't watch it like it starts off as like an interactive storybook and then turns out that you can jump out of the page at some point and it doesn't end there it seems that you can just go 2D on like multiple services so like suddenly you're um like you know adventuring on the side of a coffee mug or whatever so yeah and and it just looks I forgot who was working on it like there's clearly some art direction skill going on there because that game just looks like just so charming um an Australian developer yeah go us it's um yeah, I believe it's an Australian developer. That that uh, trailer took me on a journey, really, because I was like, oh, okay, like page to page, this is really fun, and then out of the page, and then onto the side of, you know, like a like a mug or a potion bottle, I can't remember, yeah. but it, it really, I went up and down and up and down with, yeah, I, None of I it got excited for it. better than the other part. I think the like, great thing is, like, it doesn't seem like one bit is more of an afterthought than the other or one is like a novelty it seems like they've really we're just going off a trailer I could be completely wrong but the presentation looks like everything in this game is being equally cared for absolutely yeah you know it um, probably the stand out there as well with with Devolver for, for myself as well um, and I I'm a fan of the more odd Devolver titles and the gratuitous and things like that um, oh, it was a game where you just kick things. I remember that now. Angerfoot. That's it. <laughs> Appropriately named. I, I, um, I heard of that game a long time ago, and I think it must have just been picked up by Devolver a little later on because I, I remember people saying it was going to be released on Itch, that Itch.io oh, wow. or whatever, or maybe just the demo did. But I, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe so, maybe I'm getting it wrong or whatever, but I just it went a little underground for a while, and then I've downloaded a demo that was on Steam, and then boom, it gets this big presentation, and it looks a lot better than what I initially saw. I, I mean, I initially saw it on Twitter, just yeah. screenshots that people share, but it, it looks really interesting. Initially seen on Twitter, maybe this would have stood out more was um, Skate Story, which is a game I saw like somebody has just retweeted a gif from the developers like a couple of weeks before and I was like wow I do not normally give a shit about skateboarding mm-hmm. but there is some just wild shit going in the design of that game where like I love the idea that just aside from the fact that it makes it aesthetically look amazing just the idea that you're a skateboarder made out of glass is kind of genius yeah and it seems like it I, I'm still it's clearly not a score attack game though at least in the Tony Hawk sense that it may have that element to it, but it seems like you're going somewhere. It almost looks like you can do anything you want whenever. Like, it's not going to say, hey, make sure you do a flip to a grind. It looks like yeah. you can do whatever you want at any point, which is what I wanted more from Oli Oli World that released mm. recently. And it's just, it's not been that. It's been, you must do this trick at this point, And I replay the same levels over and over. I, I like, like 
do what works for you to get to where you need to get like yeah and i really enjoy that and it's i don't know it's it's peaceful and i think that there's something about when you play skate because i do love skateboarding games the most fun I have in skate is usually just going around the city doing whatever I want to do. If someone can bring more meaning to that, it's kind of like the sailing and Sea of Thieves or Wind Waker where it feels good doing it, but it ultimately is just to get you from one part to the other. If skate story is giving more meaning skate to the with actual a story. part of it. Yeah. Yes. Very exciting. I think it's amazing what just having a goal can actually do for things, like just a reason to get there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so... That that just, I have to point that out just because it looks it looks wild it looks soothing and chaotic at the same time like that I would normally if something that much going on I'd say the visual style is too busy but there is something about that game that just looks just it just has an aesthetic and it somehow works and I feel like it shouldn't but man um maybe try and race through a lot of the rest of this quite quickly though because the Gorilla Collective for me unfortunately fell victim to what I do a lot of as I mentioned on YouTube is you know washing dishes or folding laundry or whatever so nothing stood out although a lot of the time like a lot of pixel art and a lot of it actually looked pretty good but there was literally no standout game for me and I don't think I even watched any one trailer in full so I don't know about you Nick but um, I cannot speak to any single game within that showcase my mind is a bit of a blur because there was the the PC game show and then there was the something that called like the Wholesome Games Direct. And for me, because I pay attention to so many indie games and I do love pixel art and relaxing games, they're all they've all blurred together it's at the so moment. Many. Absolutely everything is about being an alchemist or a witch and making potions and sharing them with your friends who are animals, whatever. It's all it's all blurring together at the, the moment for me. As much as they all look competent and good. Don't get me wrong, they all look great. But I just sure. We've this got is a lot the of these. Indie equivalent of the space horror shooter that is also happening the AAA space. Yes. The wholesome game is going to take over and every game is because I went on a rant about reductive headlines from Games Press where it's like, this game is Animal Crossing, but instead you're a witch and it's people are doing that now to make a game they're kind of just alright this but I'm going to add that yeah and they all look competent uh, it's it's yeah, hard but I feel like it all turned into eyewash but I'm sure some of that stuff is legitimately great and I'm kind of hoping it manages to bubble to the top either because we get sent keys or some like somebody I'm paying attention to is like hey this game is actually really great mm-hmm. um, but there were so many and they all looked pretty good but it's like actually so many like I actually went and looked for a yes. list I was like, I wonder if I can get like a sizzle reel of all this. Like, no, this is like, it's just too much to digest. It's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, I think if it's just because of the nature of the show and things like that, th- those yeah. games will separate and we'll see more of them as they come out. It was just an announcement, so mm. right, not to um, be dis- a disservice to any of those games. Yeah. So Capcom, I think, actually did announce Dragon Dog- Dogma Two in the end. It seemed like they were cock teasing it, and then maybe it's actually real. I'm still not completely <laughs> sure. Um. <clears throat> As a Capcom fan, like a, of varying enthusiasm throughout my gaming career, uh, there was a high chance that they said, "We know that you love Dragon's Dogma. It's been ten years. Thank you." And then ended their presentation. Like there was a high chance they weren't going to announce anything. It, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I guess they've put ray tracing or something into like the re- recent remakes. Um, 
Yeah, even I've also heard that maybe they're not actually that well done, which is kind of a bummer because I feel like Capcom had recently, by recently, like me, like the last five years, Capcom has really kind of gotten into its groove again. It feels like mm. the best Capcom has been since the nineties. Um, but maybe you overshadowed for me personally by I kind of in my notes I've just written SquareSoft, but really it's just this all coincided with like an anniversary for Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Um, which was a pretty roller coastery um, journey for me in general. Like, I was like, I'm not a big fan of many of the biggest games in history. I tend to have my own eccentricities, but um, Final Fantasy VII, I was the right age for that to be my first JRPG, and it hit me in the feels at the right time in puberty because I was just learning I could be upset by stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that game has stuck with me, and man, it's like that mobile like ever crisis they're kind of doing a kind of cutesy and it doesn't look bad like a little remake of like the whole thing with like kind of more modern 3d graphics a little bit crucified and i'm like i'm looking at that going you know what i think i could make gaming nights out of that with my girlfriend we could like put that on the switch on the tv or on the playstation and play through like the remake of final fantasy 7 would be too busy um whereas this we could pass controller and then it's all like it's a mobile thing and it's going to be powered by loot crates and i'm immediately like that has just taken the wind right out of my sails. I guess, I guess maybe it could still potentially have that stuff removed and be sold, but... Yeah, it's rough. It was like, yeah, okay, oh no, maybe not. Um, I'm actually very cool with them remaking um, Crisis Core. Yeah. Um, I... Was there voice acting in the original one? Am I hearing complaints about Zach's voice? that I'm it was so long ago this is embarrassing because I actually reviewed that for Hyper and I want to say yes there was whoa I want to say yes there was um yeah it was a a PSP ass PSP game Mm. um but it was also pretty good like I remember the also Doja Service there's a whole bunch of like Final Fantasy 7 adjacent games that came out within a couple of years around that time and that was the one that was actually not amazing, but yeah, it was good. Like it was a good game, and I would actually be curious. I'm curious to um, see how that remake goes. It's obviously not have the, having the same love and attention poured into it as the full on remake, but it also looks like they're actually you know making some effort, and I think that could be a actually pretty decent game. Potent- obviously, like it's coming from a portable system, it- assuming it runs okay. Obvious switch one. Although I guess the big the big thing to come out of this, and maybe this is what we're going to close with because I already best mentioned System Shock earlier, that was the one PC thing that stood out for me, um, is, you know, they finally came clean with the new Final Fantasy VII chapter, calling it Rebirth. I'm guessing all of these are just going to be re-something. Remake, Rebirth, Reset, freaking whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, video quality in my stream, and actually... Went back and like went to Square's YouTube channel and watched it again. It just seems like really, really shitty video quality for this. Incidentally, like that the bitrate or something is just off. Oh wow! Um, because it seems to look. You would think that would want as pristine as possible. I mean, it could just be YouTube's fault. Um, also don't know how it was for other people. For me, that Square thing was weird because they had unsubtitled Japanese presenters, but then all the trailers were in English. I don't know if that's just where I was at. Um, my reaction to that is probably similar to everyone else's, which is it looks good. It looks very pretty. We're kind of on the they've given some little hints about whether or not Aerith is still going to have things that happen to Aerith. 
or not. And oh, but, so they've got they've got some contro- potential controversy going on there. Um, the thing that surprised me was that they actually announced it's going to be part of three games, and that doesn't seem considering that the first one only covered the first three or four hours of what was a fifty-hour game. That doesn't seem like enough. Yeah, I was I was unaware of how how much the first one kind of um, how much it did of the of the original story. So it gets so, yeah. you out of Midgar and throws a couple of curveballs to really mess with the story. And it in the process of doing that, yeah. it does kind of like wrap roll in some stuff that you would otherwise learn later in the game from the original. But I kind of left that with a feeling of like they I think they need to make four games. Um, yeah right. Okay. So three well, feels I, very condensed. <laughs> three feels very condensed. It was nice to actually see like it's just a PS5 and like the first screen's like oh this still looks kind of the same. But then the camera kind of pulls back a bit and you're like oh there's a lot of world here. <laughs> okay maybe mm-hmm. this is actually a next gen only thing. Um, optimistic. They've said next winter. I want to hold them to that. I, I mean I obviously don't want to put any de- developers under like crunch hell whatever. But like if Square lets something slip from its release date. Well, we know we know exactly what's going to happen there. It's um, we'll see it in five years. So no, I think I think that was probably um, after after the plucky squire. My like thing of I'm wrapping this into E3, not E3 because you know just timing. I guess it really yes. was it really was what Square was doing for this season. It's like, hey, you guys like Final Fantasy VII? Here you go. Um. I don't know. It looks good. It was nice to get um, the title and the confirmation and everything that it exists. A little bit concerned, but then I don't think they're ever going to be able to make everybody absolutely happy there in the first place. Um, I did love Remake. I played it again this year. I spoke about it on the show already, which is why I'm so fresh with where that ended. But um, yeah, if I'm pulling out for myself, I would say Plucky Squire, Game of game of Show, quote very much, um, inverted commas, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, just because, um, and third place, probably actually System Shock, just because it's hitting the right level of nostalgia at the moment, so, um, to reveal it, um, Ken, you know, had parental duties and has disappeared from our show, but, um, Nick, do you have two or three standouts that you want to wrap this up with? Um, I'm, look, I'm, I am excited at the potential of Dragon's Dogma 2. All we have right now is a logo that was Superman-style revealed, <laughs> revealed to us by three men undoing their shirts and presenting T-shirts to us. Um, but I think that Dragon's Dogma 2, if it's on... It could be on the RE engine, the new engine, because um, Street Fighter 6 is on the RE engine. On engine. yeah. It will be, yeah, pretty much. Um, hopefully there is co-op as well as bringing in pawns. I would like to be able to have... Hmm. ideally four player co-op and then if not you can just make up for whoever's missing with a pawn um i hope the grappling system stays but yeah i'm really really excited to hear more about dragon's dogma one other i'm not too sure if this got announced like you know recently after everything or at the same presentations and that because it's not actually e3 we're just going to say in the last month anything that happened at that time Well, I appreciate that, because have you seen anything to do with Kamizawa, Way of the Thief? No, I have not. So, Kamizawa, Way of the Thief is actually a stealth action video game from the original Tenchu developers. Oh, that's But you're a thief. 
And it looks graphically like it's a couple of consoles it, ago, but funnily enough, that's pretty PS1. Me. It looks pretty PS1. Yeah. I just typed it in. Um, it looks like clean PS1. Like, you know, you put a voodoo graphics card into a first generation PlayStation. Yes. This is what you're going to end up with. Yeah, and it looks like it doesn't take itself too seriously. You're dodging guards that are trying to stab you. You're just doing these fancy flips and making silly noises. While you're dodging, you're grabbing things from shelves and stuffing them in your sack. But there's also this ridiculous... You can hide between gaps in doorways. You can hide above doorways, like chimney-style climbing. Um, I saw him lay down at the bottom of a set of stairs, and guards walked over the top of him without even realizing he was there. It brings a kind of Lupin the Third ridiculousness to the Tenchu style of games. I, it's a bummer that it's not actually Tenchu, but I think maybe maybe from Software or Ubisoft or someone still have the rights there. It's, I mean, what? I'm guessing the developers jumped ship at some point because the first Tenchu, you, you, you kind of struck a nerve of like, oh, that was a game I was not expecting to like. Um, yes. I remember, I think maybe the first episode of Hyper I ever bought actually reviewed and some other actually ninja game. Um, and I didn't buy either, but a friend I lent the magazine to bought Tenchu and then lent me his copy of Tenchu and was like, this game looks ugly, I don't want to play it. And then I started mm-hmm. playing it and the first time I bounced off it, but then, you know, this is late 90s, I didn't have any money for new games and subscriptions didn't exist. So I played it again and, oh, no, I like this game a lot. But apparently yeah. the sequels just kind of just went progressively downhill. Yeah, they kind of, they go up and down in quality. Um I enjoy, and it wasn't deliberate at all, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, oh, that was the point of it. But I enjoy Tenchu Z or Tenchu Z. Uh, that was PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty because it has online, but also you can just speed run it. It really, it lets you muck around with your character's stats, and so you can have full speed, no defense, and that means if you get caught, you're dead. But you can run around like an absolute maniac uh, completing the game. So I did enjoy, to varying degrees, every Tenchu that's come since. But the fact that this is being made by a choir and they have that kind of we love ninja games we love stealth action um because there's not enough variety for me in stealth action games um so i'm I'm looking forward to it especially with it being sillier yeah it it looks lovably goofy um so you're just not expecting a tech powerhouse definitely yeah well i don't know if it's coming out on on pc oh yeah it says pc so look everyone will be able to play it that's great yeah, probably you would <laughs> hope so if you need if you need a 2000 plus series graphic card to run this and they need to work more on their developing um optimizing whatever anyway i'm going to throw in for ken that he is at pixel hunt on the twitters i don't know if he has anything coming up or not recently i'm going to guess that he's been sick for the last week that maybe not um nick you look like you probably have a lot of stuff to pimp Pixel Hunt or elsewhere. Pixel... I wow! Player 2 or elsewhere. Boy, I just jumped back in time 10, ten years. Yeah, we're, jump, we're jumping ship to Ken's new publication. <laughs> no, yeah, you can you can catch my work when I get it done at Player 2. I'm definitely going to get in and get some Let's Plays done. You can also head to nickbait.com and just track me down wherever. Just Google Nickbait. I'm there. I do a lot of tech reviews and I'm currently reviewing a headset. Um, but also, I managed to get a code for the evil dead video game huh and i have mixed feelings on that so i feel like doing a ridiculously over the top video for that that's kind of my style is someone's like why would someone put in too much effort with this video that's me that's that's nick <laughs> too much effort you should watch his channel we've been discussing it too much effort? no i'm saying you're making too much <laughs> effort so please watch nick beat yes please do 
And what me, about yourself? What are you working on? Me? This show. Right now. Yes. Um, I'll probably have some some stuff I'll be writing in the next um, month or two. I've had some side stuff that I've been having to do for the last couple of months, but that will clear up over, well, for me, the summer, for everybody else, the winter. But, yeah, basically, this is my life. Hey, everybody, I am on the podcast. That's why I'm always <laughs> here. Or else I you are to, the podcast. I am the pod. Not quite the same as being E3. <laughs> That's, that's an accomplishment I never even got to E3. Jeff Keighley gets to be E3. Yeah, it, it did feel like a rite of passage for a long time there. Um, as a small child, I grew up reading Hi-Fi.